I think we should maybe remove this this part of the podcast. Maybe we should take out the free talk and put it on like a Patreon tier. Like still record it, but just edit it out for our regular listeners who are like, we don't really need your rambles. And then just put it on like a $2 Patreon tier to be like, here's the like long version of our podcast where we ramble for a really long time beforehand. And then just for everyone, we post the regular edited version for people who are like, let's just get to the meat of it. (laughs) I love that, especially because we've given them a taste it may or may not bring anyone to our yard now that they know what we talk about, like um, like eco-friendly pools and cryptocurrency. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I think that's a good way to be like, really, it's just taking away something you didn't want. But if there is someone out there who's like, I think it's fun that they do this. I mean, one, you can tell us and maybe we won't. If you're, if we get like a lot of people being like, no, we really like this first part, this ramble mess part, then of course we won't take it out. But I just assume most people are like, hey, I clicked on the podcast. I've never heard of you before. I clicked on because I wanted a review of this show that I thought was really cool. And you're not doing that. You're not talking about the show. And we're like, we do, just like halfway through the episode. <laughs> so it might be might be a good compromise. That's just my thinking. Yeah, I think that that's good thinking. I like that. I think that it gives people, like you said, some options, a selection of exactly what kind of content they want to get from us. And if they want to pay to hear us talk about the most inane shit that we do not know about or understand... <laughs> Uh, if you want to hear about my dream to have an eco-friendly pool, uh, please subscribe on Patreon for $2 and you can hear just like absolutely wild, wildly, definitely interesting information that I- super cool stuff. Partially researched. (laughs) (laughs) Stuff that we clearly did not plan out before. Yeah. It just seems, it just seems like, I maybe I'm just chickening out, being like, I don't know if we're just not going to small talk, so we have to cut it out. Yeah, it's wild, because I feel like, in my mind, I'm decent at small talk, and that I think I'm not good at small talk with people who I love most, because it doesn't make sense to do easy chit-chat small talk to my best friend, where usually we're like, let's do a deep dive into the emotional damage I received this week via this method or whatever. Yeah, but it feels weird to get that intense and personal in the first 10 minutes of our podcast. (laughs) And also to protect the privacy of the people in our lives, it's hard to bleep out names and blur details. (laughs) but also talk like regular people it just we're not i don't feel good at it i don't know Mm -hmm. that we're not good at it maybe people have loved this section maybe people will tell us to keep it in my instinct is to hide it forever behind a paywall (laughs) 
hide it behind a paywall, make because then people give us money and that proves they love us going into it, right? Like, right? Prove to me that you love me, and then you can hear <laughs> the stupid shit I have to say before the <laughs> oh, podcast <no>. starts. <laughs> uh, <laughs> Did I make it problematic? Did I? Yeah. Uh, yeah. Now I'm chickening out of doing anything. I think we're just this is we're gonna cancel the podcast. Actually. <laughs> I think we have to stop the podcast because Raquel's joke pushed it too far. <laughs> now I can't believe in anything that I'm doing. What if I'm just not good enough? You are good at everything you do, and I think it is a really brilliant idea. So let's excuse jokes from the room uh, so that I don't <laughs> accidentally ruin the idea again. Oh, <laughs> uh, we'll just we'll include some listener feedback. I'll put up a poll and we'll do it that way so that it doesn't have to be you and me deciding because that's the easiest way to make a decision is to defer it to somebody else. Yeah, uh, I like the idea of play on K being an occasional democracy, like when there's something we definitely want to do that we've decided on, that it's there will not be discussion. We will just yeah. enact our new policy changes or watch whatever K-drama we feel like watching. But every once in a while, maybe we like maybe we like a, a democracy in here. Maybe we get the people to speak up. All of the Play on K listeners. Uh, we don't have a cute name for our listeners. That's one of the charms of our podcast is that we haven't uh, given any of you uh, um, what is it called? Like a plural, uh, a collective noun. Is that it? Ooh, that sounded right. It's I, like, I don't know. It's like a group of owls is a parliament of owls and a group of whales is a, is a pod and a group of deer is like a herd or something. <laughs> we don't have that probably <laughs> The only the only one that I can think of, and I was Googling it, so I'm sorry to be distracted. The only one that I can think of is combining the letters of play on K and then just adding, like, E-R on the end. So all I could think of was plonker. Oh. And I was pretty sure that that was not a super nice term. Yeah, I think that that's maybe even a rude term in British slang. Yeah. Uh, if not straight up rude, then maybe not complimentary. <laughs> yeah. The the Google says fool or idiot, which seems pretty pretty low key in American English. Calling someone, I guess, calling a stranger an idiot can be pretty mean. <laughs> calling a baby a fool seems almost hilarious. <laughs> but yeah, I don't think Plonker has that same lightheartedness and yeah. i don't really want to call our fans that but it's all i could think of absolute sidebar when i was a child my nickname that my grandparents gave me so one of my cousins had the nickname muffin because they loved blueberry muffins and uh Aww. i don't remember that everyone had nicknames but i had the nickname putts Oh no. Yeah, cuz if you and if you look up the uh the definition of putz, it's it's pretty much just a useless person. Yeah. <laughs> I think they called me that cuz I lost stuff a lot. Like I seemed kind of like a space case, a little airhead. Uh I was just, you know, I couldn't find my shoes. 
(laughs) (laughs) I feel like it's normal for kids to lose shoes, but maybe that was just my experience. And I was like, I don't know why everyone's throwing shade uh, because I don't know where I untied and took off my shoes. Yeah, I think that's normal. I, I can't remember losing my shoes much, but that seems like a normal kid thing to do. And to be like, I guess like putts is a fun word. So yeah, it it's cute. Feel that mean. Yeah, yeah, it's very cute. It's cuter than like airhead or idiot. Yeah, they didn't choose a mean version, but it's kind of the same same idea. Yeah, it's a. Uh, I don't. I still to this day don't mind it. I don't mind. I don't look back on it and I'm like, uh, how abused was I? Like it's cute, <laughs> but also. It's one of those things where it's like, ah, but also in retrospect, I don't think I realized, but I also don't think they realized that it's not just like a cute little, like, it's, I think to them it felt like the equivalent of being like, ah, you dummy, which is kind of cute, even if it's not true, you know? Yeah, it's, uh, like, when you said it, I was like, oh, but it just feels mean to call a little kid a dummy. I did the same thing when I was a kid. I we had a puppy. We she turned into a dog, but while she was a puppy, <laughs> she was a bit of a putz. And so I would call her stupid. I'd be like, "Come here, stupid! You sitting here, stupid!" And my mom got so mad at me and was like, "You can't call her that. She has a name. And if you're not gonna call her by her name, if you're just gonna call her stupid, we're gonna give her away. We're gonna take her to the pound because that's oh. that's a mean thing to do to a dog." And I think it just really hit home of, like, you can't call people names even if they're silly or lighthearted. You kind of have to have this communal agreement that that's okay with them. And then being like, you you little dits is like, (laughs) oh, that's a child, so maybe go easy on them. Like, it's a puppy. You can't just call her stupid. She's not stupid. She's a tiny dog. Yeah. Um, you can't call a kid putts because they're a kid. Like, do it <laughs> once and then stop. It's not their nickname forever. It's not their constant nickname. But yeah, so. like, they'd call me with that. They'd be like, come here, putts. And be like, yeah. okay. <laughs> I'm putting Little did they know. on blast. They're, yeah. they're canceled. <laughs> Little did they know I'd become an adult with the ability to search what that means. <laughs> <laughs> Hey guys, not okay. Um, that's oh, I'm sorry. Are we airing trauma? Are you okay? Yeah. yeah, I'm. I'm good. This is it. We've done it. We've finally aired our trauma for the listeners. <laughs> this is like a classic before we hit record type conversation that was a little more natural. Mm-hmm. I feel like it was an appropriate amount of trauma to share with the internet. Yeah. Yeah, it's not a bad story at all. I just, we still just don't have a name for our fan base. But like oh. you said, that we're <laughs> leaning into that. That's fine. We're not doing plonkers, because it's yeah. too mean. We don't like that. Um, we, we can keep workshopping it. I don't even know. Maybe I'm fine with just calling them affectionately our listeners. Maybe if it was a massive community that they needed to find each other out in the world, like, oh, are you a... Uh, Potterhead. I don't know. What do people who like Harry Potter <laughs> call themselves? Are you a Gryffindor? <laughs> yeah, I think they go by houses. Yeah. Uh, that's just one example. Um, I don't. 
but yeah, like people who need to find each other out in the world. I think the My Favorite Murder People fans are murderinos. And then they can be like, hey, are you a murderino? Uh, something I definitely am is a critter, because I watch a whole lot of Critical Role on YouTube. Oh, so. yeah. That's a really cute one. Yeah. I don't think Disney has their own. I really like Disney, but I really don't like the term Disney adult, because I think Disney adults in the news most of the time are like Florida Man, where it's like only stories of Disney adults doing weird psychotic things for the sake of doing something at Disney, something related to Disney, getting fame at or from Disney. And so I'm like, no, don't associate me with them, okay? I, I'm a Disney fan, not a Disney adult, but I am also an adult, but not, okay, just no fan names. The, yeah, I, there is no intersection on this Venn diagram. I am a Disney fan who is also an adult, not a Disney <laughs> adult. <laughs> okay, let's keep it clear. <laughs> but I guess in a way, Disney doesn't really have a fan, fan group name. Yeah, we can, let's, we can be like Disney. And if something happens organically, like if a community comes together and says we want to be called this that is awesome but optimal yeah we won't we won't name that will also be a democracy that will also be the people's choice (laughs) (laughs) you guys can name yourselves you're welcome (laughs) if if you want to call yourself by literally just your name do it (laughs) (laughs) we'll allow it as we are Kind and just leaders. <laughs> okay, time to start. Time to start, because I do really want to talk about the final two episodes. Yeah, let's roll that song. and welcome to Play on K, the Korean drama podcast with Emily and Raquel. And this is a show where we take a K-drama, we watch it two episodes at a time, and then we get together here every week to talk about it. Yeah, this week we watched the final two episodes, which is 10 and 12 of Little Women. No? Yeah, it's 11 and 12, but Or yes. 11 and 12. I skipped 11. Oh, shit. I feel Did like I'm never... Did you 11? I'm gonna... <laughs> I didn't even watch 11. What happened? <laughs> I'm just I watched kidding. 10 and 12. I just forgot the number 11 existed, and I'm going to have to live oh. with that, is what I, I guess where I'm actually at, is that, like, I'm going to think about this tonight when I'm laying in bed. I don't know why I'm more okay with you forgetting the number 11 than with you potentially forgetting to watch episode 11. <laughs> Much more okay with me. I definitely watched episode 11, but... um. I, I, in my neck of the woods, we call it episode 10. So, okay. Yeah. I see. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> and episode 10 is also episode 10. It's, it's hard to get used to, but once you do. <laughs> you become a Play on K fan, whatever they're <laughs> called. Um, I mean, to be fair, I watched episode 11, but I kind of feel like now that I have to tell you what happened, 
I genuinely don't know. <laughs> it, this whole finale, not in a bad way, it was good, but it kind of felt like we've been hanging from a building, like you have been atop the building and I've just been dangling off the side. And episodes 11 and 12, I was just like, just let go. Just let me go, Raquel. <laughs> and then you did. And I died a happy, peaceful death. The ending was fine. I'm fine with it. But there is nothing super climactic about it, which feels crazy. Oh, we... This happens every once in a blue moon. We super disagree. I loved both episodes 11 slash 10. And... <laughs> <laughs> episode 12 um i think like is there room for f- for them to maybe not be perfect episodes for sure i will get i will give you that um i thought that god because it's we're still play on k so of course we have to start at the very end of the last episode we watched i guess this isn't like the a- absolute absolute end but i did think that the way that Sung Ah went, there were parts of it that were satisfying. I like that uh, at at the very end, she pretty much loses everything in front of her eyes, but a lot of that is her own making, and it's about as close to accountability as any villain is able to experience, which is to say, uh, it's not maybe always the most satisfying when a villain just dies, or just you know, whatever, if it's maybe an action film or something, there's a climactic battle and they just die. And this was all about intrigue and power. And so I thought it was very interesting to watch the power crumble out from underneath her and to have her have to actively see that happening based on decisions she made or what she, things she was so smug about that, that she lost That was very satisfying to me. The actual way that she dies in the orchid room with the acid was so... I mean, it was just very... I don't want to necessarily say over the top, because I thought that it was also interesting that it was, again, of her own making, and there were just so many, you know, the the climactic final battle or whatever took place in the orchid room, which is visually interesting. I just thought that the acid bath was, that felt like a lot, right? That felt like yeah the most dramatic thing that they could, they were like, maybe she gets shot. And then the writer at the back of the room said, acid bath. And everyone was like, yeah. oh, okay. <laughs> Which I think could have maybe tied in if she had been really obsessed with beauty and looks. Because it's the three most stunning women in the world saying, we're going to die in this room together, either with this grenade or in an acid bath. And, like, there's something to that. But I feel like beauty was not a main part of this show. So... Yeah, having her die in that way felt sort of disconnected. Almost fairy tale. I think I got very Wicked Witch of the West vibes. And it mm, it was cool. It was visually interesting. It was a good scene. But it, yeah, it felt a little over the top, a little bit like, what? <laughs> You've installed yeah. acid in the ceiling? 
Yeah, yeah. The oh, only man. thing I liked about it was that the uh, part where Inju throws the grenade to blow the door off and, and use that was really interesting to me. That felt like... <laughs> Excuse me for, like, my extra nerd coming out. But that felt very similar to a creative Dungeons & Dragons player saying, I've got these tools in front of me, and instead of using the tool to attack the enemy, I'm going to use the tool to, um, like, disable the enemy or whatever, right? Like, take, take their power out from under them, um... Which I think is really cool. That I did like that, and I don't know how they could have made that happen while still not maybe doing the most dramatic acid bath that could ever have come about. But yeah, it was just, it was a lot to be like, okay, yeah, like you said, um, okay, so at, you, put, you put acid in the sprinkler system? So that all of your, all of you can experience melting to death? Just pure torture for all of you? You can't just be normal and say this room is going to explode? There's a bomb? Or Or even like, I've just locked us in here and we're all gonna starve to death? I don't know, like, that's weird and boring. But you've also got a room full of drugs. Like, those irises make you trip. And to do nothing with that and go in the direction of we're all gonna burned to death is like okay just a little bit make it make sense it's cool it's interesting it's terrifying i think there are scary movies that have those same themes and they have scarred me for life i don't stop thinking about them so like good for you i will not stop thinking about song ah just burning in acid i hate that so cool but i (laughs) I was surprised. It felt like not the direction the show was going to go in. Mm. Yeah. But everything (laughs) leading up to that, I thought was really, really good. I liked the twists and turns. I even liked that they had so firmly assured us that Sung-Hwa was dead by having them think she was still alive halfway through the show and then saying, no, we promise she's dead. And then still being like, but don't you remember that all of the reasons you thought she could still be alive, like the plastic surgery she randomly had and the fact that her body was cremated right away and her dad didn't really give a shit to find out what was happening. Uh, it makes me happy that they built, they they put those in for a reason. Even if it was the old one, two, one, two, one, like over and over again, you know, kind of whiplashy to say, She's dead. Ah, just kidding. She's not dead. Ah, just kidding. She is dead. Ah, just kidding. She is not dead. That's fair. Yeah, it's whiplashy, but it was it was cool. If only for the sake of Inju's ending, which I will say I loved. I loved Inju's ending. But yeah, I didn't need Young to come back. I, I get your point of it's really cool. It's very validating since they set up all these reasons that she might not be dead in the beginning. It's validating to be like, and she wasn't. You're welcome. But I I felt like I didn't need it. I didn't need her to be alive. I just liked it because Inju really liked her and Inju needed one win. So that felt good. Yeah. And... I think it's really nice that 
Inju's whole arc, and in a way, the whole arc of the show became about these people who cared more about it, these friends and family members, these three sisters and the, the friends they made along the way, that <laughs> cared more about each other than they did about this thing that had been ingrained in them since childhood, to just money and power and greed to to be their only way out of a miserable life. And, and for them to have gotten to these final two episodes and have it really driven home that the relationships they build are what makes their life good. And the things that they have that aren't money and the things that they have that aren't power, but the, that they have each other is really, really, I mean, I'm just such a sucker for that type of ending, like the power of friendship type ending when it's well done, when it's not super, super corny and that it, it wasn't, there's no, and we'll all be together forever. You know, uh, Do'il bounces, and uh, he's still a massive homie, and make sure that when he bounces, he does it right. Um, and he, but and you know, the sister uh, in Ye is still gone, and in Kyung is also taking off. She's going to the U.S. with her now boyfriend, and so it's not, you know, and the power of friendship will keep us together. It's that they love each other, and that that is why they made it through this, and that is why they were able to stop looking at the money as the only thing they need, and so the power couldn't be held over them any longer, and I just thought that was really nice. I think that's fair. It's all beautiful, but it's beautiful in the way that it's almost too realistic and almost too artistic at the same time. It's hard to describe. Maybe I'll just talk through it. I, I really like that Inju is alone at the end because I think so much of the show is her making these big, hard decisions about who she is and who she wants to be. And to say, at the end, we're leaving her with this space where she can find herself and find out what she wants to do with her life and start making decisions that are completely her own and completely selfish. And that is everything she deserves. And that's beautiful. But there's a part of me that just wants it to be more happy ending, more of the movie style ending where she gets the guy and her best friend is back and they all live happily ever after, her and her sisters in this big house. And it it's too realistic that everyone just like goes their separate ways and is like, good luck. <laughs> and it's good. It makes sense. It feels right. But I hate it. And it feels really artistic in that Inju's finding independence, and that's what she needs more than anything. And so in that way, it feels like a movie ending, but not the movie that I like. I like Disney movies with happy endings, where the princess gets all the things, all the <laughs> money and the power and the boys and the whatever she wants. Not the movie ending where it's like, no, she found the meaning of life and she's okay being alone. Like, boring. <laughs> Oh, I ate it up. I ate yeah. it up. I'm so I, glad you did. I did. I I liked the kind of open-endedness that we got with Do'il leaving and saying that he'll be seeing her. Because for me, that. that's that for me, that kind of is enough for what their relationship 
was and could be in the future, wherein it's not a solid goodbye. I've already written, you know, the spinoff where he comes back for a job and they're <laughs> in love and they get married or whatever. You know, you know, I've uh-huh. written that already in my head that they that they really do actually love each other romantically. That, But they left it so open-ended that I can just assume that that's the case. They didn't shut the door on that. And that's kind of enough for me. With how dark this whole show was, it it very much is enough for me that Inju there at the end when she's on trial says that she's learned to love herself and value herself more than 70 billion won. And I think that that is such a... That's such a thing because I am, I found both In Kyung and In Ju so relatable throughout the whole show on different levels where I, I actually was very empathetic toward In Ju's, um, she, she called it greed, but it, her just, her attaching the survival as a meaning with money, you know, that that she needed it to survive and for her sisters to survive. I think that that is a very accurate plot to include, or I guess, ideology for a character to have in her position. But I also liked that In Kyung had such a high sense of justice that she was a bit incorruptible by the money, but not maybe incorruptible by her own drive to, you know, solve a mystery or whatever that she put herself and others in danger or what, you know, there, there were just so many interesting aspects of their characters. But I think that maybe the most relatable thing of all is Inju thinking she's still going to end up poor and still saying, I, I am, my value to myself is more than 70 billion. There's no money that you could give me that would make me think that I have a worse life than others because look at the people around me kind of thing and like look at who I am and look at what I've done and what I've accomplished. I just think she's such a badass and so I thought that was such a cool speech for her to give an ending for her to give. And I love the flip side of it with Hua Young also, who was like, look at what I can do when I put my mind to it. I can tear down the most powerful people in the world. And all you had to do was question my love for my mom. Yeah, it was really beautiful and powerful. It's I'm a simpleton. And so it just it wasn't the ending for me as a personal (laughs) individual who has very specific needs. But I see, I see your point that it was a very beautiful and in line with the show. It didn't feel out of left field. The acid bath, a little bit out of left field. <laughs> the rest of it, very, very good. And I thought it was, they did an exceptional job of turning this into a courtroom drama without turning it into a full courtroom drama. I think they could have spent way too much time in that courtroom, but every scene there was so powerful with each person's testimony, like Inju taking the stand and having that beautiful monologue, and Hua Young taking the stand and having that beautiful monologue, and Che Do-il taking the stand and taking the hit for Inju and saying, you think I'm here to betray you, but I ain't, bae? Like that, oh... (laughs) That's so good. But yeah, I think I think that's hard to do. It could have turned really procedural. And I was really impressed with 
with how interesting the courtroom scenes were. Yeah, yeah, without being maybe... Like, they were dramatic. I can't um, envision a real courtroom scene going as beautifully as those did, right? But they weren't also, you know, it's not like there were explosions in the courtroom or anything. It was <laughs> the right amount of drama. It 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 was f- perfectly flavored. Yeah. Yeah, I liked it. I was impressed. Did Inju go to prison for 18 months? I, that, that's such a good question. I was hoping you could tell me. I was hoping you could tell me. I'm assuming no. not, because Hua Young was not on trial yet. And was still bandaged up. She yeah. looked exactly the same as she did in the courtroom, so it seemed yeah. like the same day. There, yeah, there's no way. I I think that maybe she was on probation. They said something about probation, which I thought would come after the jail time, but maybe what they meant was it's being commuted to probation or something, um, yeah. and I didn't pick up on it or something. Yeah, I thought they said a year and a half in prison and then two years of probation, but maybe, like you said, maybe that's just how... American law is red. American sentencing is red. So that's what we heard. And it's a complete misinterpretation. Because I don't know. <laughs> it didn't seem like she went to prison at all. Yeah, I don't I don't know that she she went to prison. It, my heart says no. Yeah, I and mean, so did the didn't go to prison either. They were like, yeah. he's too hot. No, he'll never survive. <laughs> They'll simply kill him for being too beautiful. <laughs> I'm surprised they didn't kill Hua Young for being too beautiful. Yeah. That's that's a prison crime. Prison <laughs> looks very different in Korean dramas. There was a kitchen and a shower stall yeah. in, in Ju's cell. It seemed very humane. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, it did seem very humane. I... <laughs> Let's get into that, Raquel, actually. <laughs> Let's talk about prison reform, is you, what I wanted to say. Do you want to just trigger a, a classic Raquel tirade on what prison in America looks like and and how many people are in prison in America? <laughs> Potentially there is a John Oliver episode we can just refer people to. Yeah, probably so. I think that was what taught me about prison in America a couple years ago. Uh, learned real late in the game when I was like, a, I don't know, an older teen, I guess. In my 20s, maybe. John Oliver turned all of us. Yep. What's up, John Oliver? Uh, check his his show out on HBO <laughs> or YouTube. <laughs> I do the YouTube version. It's free, guys. Anyways. um. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, so, Chaitoville had an ending that I feel like he's taken up so much of our podcast that it feels weird to give him too much more time, but it also feels weird to not talk about him and just be like, so we've said everything that he did, and then he left. Good riddance. <laughs> no, my heart's broken. Yeah, I think what I do want to focus on with Choi Do-il in these episodes is what he gave to us, which was a scene where he gets stabbed and with the knife still in his chest, he says, well, if you thought I was in love with her, you really shouldn't have done this. And then he (laughs) takes the knife out and stabs the person who stabbed him. And I, my stupid heart 
my lizard brain devoured itself whole. Um, how is he the most, most attractive? And he loves her so much, but he's never corny about it. I've decided, again, they've left it up in the air. If y'all don't love the this love story, that's Shit. fine. Yeah, that's no, fine. Because they, well, I mean, it's insane, but they left it open for you. <laughs> He never says the words. He never says the words because he's an absolute coward. But (laughs) we know, I think it's it's a good ending in that he's clearly head over heels in love with her. But I don't think she's anywhere close to that with him. And I, like you said, it deserves a season two that's just about the two of them falling in love. Because it feels like she still has a lot of problems trusting him, rightfully so, and also has a lot of her own stuff going on. So I think giving her time to separate this chaos period in her life from the romance period in her life will be a lot healthier for any future relationships. It just sucks. It just sucks that they have to be separated at the end. It's like, they're trauma bonded, but let's later circle back on this and see if that bond is still there without maybe the active, currently happening trauma. Okay. I mean, that makes sense when you say it, but (laughs) no, just keep them together like I want. Oh. Like, how's that supposed to happen if he leaves? (laughs) And he's like, I'm literally coming back. That's my ending, is me saying, I'll see you soon. And we're like, no, that's not good enough, my guy. (laughs) How soon to, how soon is soon to you? Because it needs to be much, much sooner. I am curious what happened with his, his mom. She's good, right? Probably. She's good. I did, I did maybe expect an ending where she lived with the three daughters. Oh, that would be kind of nice. It would be cute. A little yeah. hard because she, I assume, needs a lot of care. Yeah. So that's just like another, we're back at the beginning where they've got a mom to care for. Yeah. <laughs> but at least they have a mom. <laughs> oh, is that so mean? I just, it was weird. I've got a dog barking. You've got a train going. There's nothing we can do to save this. There's nothing. <laughs> oh. Uh, I guess it's just weird to me that they gave their non-mom, they closed that loop much more definitively than they closed the loop on Choi Do-il's mom, who was very, very active in the second half of the plot of the show. Yeah, they were just like, they show him and he's driving her in a car somewhere, and then it seems like they're going to die, and maybe she just died? And, oh, yeah, there was a point where we thought he might be dead. Yeah. So maybe got she in a did car just die? Yeah. Maybe she died. That's yes. so sad. That's sad. That's playing K-Cannon now. <laughs> we said it. We spoke it into existence. <laughs> and now she's dead. Oh. Oh, no. Well, season two will have a lot more ghost shenanigans than we originally planned. Yeah, she's got to be there in ghost form. Uh, We also don't, I guess his dad just went to prison, which is probably fair, because he was an off-the-grid extremist who owned an insane amount of weapons. Um, He was a likable enough guy, if (laughs) if your ideology matches up with his. (laughs) 
It is terrifying that he is the last member of the secret society who is alive. I think it was a pretty clean slate wiping out the general and the uh, principal. I don't know what, what his role was at the school. The spooky school guy who turns the tables, but only so that he could take charge of the society. Yeah, I forgot about him, and then they showed him in the... Sorry, we didn't talk much about it, but they showed his... The disappointment, I guess, and devastation on his face when the video of um, Jay Song killing uh, Song Woo yeah. was aired, and we saw his disappointment. I It took me until about halfway through episode 11 to remember who he was. I was Thank like, you. oh yeah, he's the te- he's the guy who like took Inkyung around to the history museum. But I didn't know why they focused in on his face uh, back when when that video was aired. I was like, uh, yeah, a, a disappointed person who voted for him. I genuinely thought it was the token old man. <laughs> like they showed a token child, they showed a token old man, just. <laughs> these these groups that really thought Jay Song was the the number one. He's a good man, and look at this token old man and his disappointment. <laughs> nope. I'm glad you also were like, fair enough. Old people have high expectations. They hope their mayoral candidates aren't murderers. <laughs> disappointment. We think. No, no, it's totally a main character. Our bad. Whoops. Yeah. Uh, yeah, his, it was kind of weird how he came back in and he sort of mattered, but then he was very immediately dead. I guess that's just kind of finale stuff, though. It, it sometimes feels like the finale goes really quickly and it, it kind of doesn't in a way. And I just wonder how it would feel if we were watching it maybe week to week, one episode a week or whatever. I don't, I don't know if it would feel as rushed, but for some reason it felt very, and he's here, and he's gone. Yeah, I liked that, though. I liked that he kind of came in and was like, I'm just going to be a weapon for the Jongran society and kill in Kyung. And she was like, no, you're the best weapon of the Jongran society, so you should not kill me. And he was like, definitely, I'm drinking that Kool-Aid now. I just, I liked the clever turnaround where she's like, I'm speaking cult language too. And I think we should do something different. And he was like, absolutely. I feel that. And then, yeah, it was like a little face-off between him and Song Ah. I'm into that. I'm into that ending for him. Yeah, I did like, I did like that by the end, In Kyung's arc led her to being able to say the right thing at the right time, and it saved her life. Yeah, that just felt really cool. A very cool use of her empathy power. Yeah, yeah, she did it. I love her. I I thought that her her whole arc was really, really good. And that I really did enjoy the speech she gave after she exposed the whole secret society and its origins in soldiers who were betrayed by their country. And That was really uh, good. Yeah, I thought that that was so cool and how she ended it with just she doesn't know what it would look like to be there and be those people and be a reporter reporting on those times. And if she could do any justice to their ideology then as she can now, I just thought that was a really, really interesting monologue. Yeah, 
It's funny because now I'm going to flip-flop. I really liked her and Jong-ho and their relationship and how it ended. I do wish she could have had more of a goal for going with him. I I do wish it would have been more like, ah, this has been the most exciting time of my life, and I don't want to chase that high with my next story. I want to take a break and see if reporting is really what I want to keep doing or if I want to do something else with my, you know, like if she had some other reason besides just being like, this time in my life was only exciting because I was with you. And I was like, the girl, I hear you. I love that feeling for you too. But also you were being shot at every single day. And I think that that might have also upped the, upped the excitement a little bit. Yeah, I think it would have been interesting if her speech to him would have been a bit more like, I've stood in the, in the typhoon and I, I've done the thing and I, now I know that maybe having my heart, heart racing all the time might be overrated. Um, because I feel safe with you and that's the most important, you know, just like something where it's like, I get that whole, uh, I just want my heart to race when I'm with my loved one. But that that kind of falls flat for me, where maybe that is the case for her or whatever. But I also think that with a life as chaotic as hers, I like the idea of her being of her seeing the value in in how stable his love for her is and her that being what brings her around and then yeah, that kind of being the driving force of her, like you said, leaving um, not so much for him, but because she has options, but also being with him is what she wants, right? So it's not, I'm leaving because I want to be with you, but I'm leaving because there's so much to do and explore and I want to do that with you. Is that, does that sound insane? Does it feel like I'm just repeating the same sentence twice? No, I like it. I like it because, yeah, it's similar to what I was saying, but it included the speech that she said halfway through the series, which I loved. I loved that she was like, I am not in love with you because I feel really safe with you. I feel like I'm meditating. I am more calm than I ever am. And yeah, I don't think I realized it until you said it, but I wish that had been in her final speech to him instead of being like my heart's racing when you kiss me it's like that's cute and I'm glad it does and it makes sense that it does because it's your first kiss but I think there's something to be said about yeah my life's been really exciting lately and the only time I feel safe and calm and connected is when I'm with you and maybe that's what I need to do more of right now not keep chasing the hurricane not keep chasing the typhoon but sit with this calmness and be with you. And I want to explore that more. And like, that's cute. That's valid. It's a different type of love than the heart racing, exciting, crazy romance. And I thought they were kind of juxtaposing that with her sister and Shada Will and saying like, yeah, the crazy romance is for some people, but we don't, we don't all need that. That's a little bit much sometimes. <laughs> I actually saw that. I saw that happen. And I think that she thinks he could kill her at any moment. <laughs> and like, that's hot, but I don't think it's healthy. I don't think it's good. And no, instead of saying any of that, she's just like, you make my heart race too, which like cute, but 
let's up let's up the ante guys let's make it let's bring it back to what we said before man i am a nitpicker <laughs> i just the only shape that works is the cute to maybe not lesbians but maybe little artists who ran <laughs> off together to explore the world yeah i love them that's another open-ended love story that I feel is pretty much just a love story, and I've I've written it in my heart and in my head. Um, I I do want to also touch on that because I do enjoy uh, I enjoy that they are still out traveling the world. Right, nothing brought them back. Nothing. They're still figuring themselves out. Uh, Doil went and found them and <laughs> devised a plan. I am interested, I guess, to know your opinion on the fact that the final monologue was given by Inhye and w- I guess the content of her monologue. I really liked it because I am a forgetful lady and have forgiven everything that happened in the first 10, 11 episodes where I just hated Inhye. I really like that she was like, here's my reasoning for why I was such a butthole and why I felt your love was suffocating. And it felt valid in that moment with that distance. It felt valid for her to be like, I never thought I could be a person worthy of the love that my sisters were giving to me because they were my everything and they would have died for me at any moment. And I hated that. I'm not, I didn't feel worthy of that kind of love. And now that I can pay it back, even the tiniest bit, that's absolutely what I'm going to do. Felt like, oh, okay. She's a good, she's a good kid then. She's just, um, a little moody. And that's fine. (laughs) So I, I really liked it. It just made me forgive and forget all of her other character flaws. Yeah, I think I struggle still with some of it as far as i do i agree that her end monologue was good and i liked that it explained some of her worst choices in the (laughs) earlier episodes of the series i also though was i i tend to hold a bit of a grudge um and there are so many times that it wasn't just a matter of her, uh, you know, being moody and rejecting her sisters. It, it was occasionally very dangerous, the, the lines she was drawing and the, uh, the way she was leaving her sisters out to dry that I guess I can't really think of any like immediate instances, but she, she did kind of bounce around the time that she realized that the family was genuinely dangerous. She's like, actually, let's just go. <laughs> let's just leave. Yeah. And I assume she got the footage for In Kyung, that, especially the bedroom camera footage. So it seemed like she was taking some risks for her sisters later on. Yeah. Yeah. I guess I need to maybe cut her a little more slack than I'm cutting her. I did like her a lot more by the end of the series, but a lot more still isn't a whole bunch of like because I loathed her at the beginning of the series yeah which still i stand by she was really hard to like at the beginning yeah but yeah i really liked her at the end i thought it was a good ending i liked that 
each of the three sisters felt like they were in a good place. It would have been disappointing if it was just like, and Inhe is also good, just so everybody knows. I thought it was like, <laughs> the monologue was a good look into her mindset, that it wasn't just she was physically safe and she was very, she had her best friend, they were traveling the world. It was like, no, she's also reflecting on her relationship with her sisters and she does want to come back to that when she feels ready to accept that it's like oh that's nice good job bud yeah i liked it yeah and someday she might visit or something after she's explored the world with her seven mil yeah (laughs) just a couple of teens with 14 million dollars between them oh i think they have way more than that because I think... I, I did some I math. Way more. Yeah. Well, you think they split it evenly? I would have guessed they gave everyone 5%. Yeah. So, based on the numbers that they showed, so Do-il got, um, like, 7.5 million-ish. And, and Inkyung so, got the same. Yeah, and Inkyung got the same amount. And then um, Inju got 23 million or something. And I, I did do the math. Um, just pulled out that good old phone calculator. And, uh, if you, so the total amount converted from one to USD is something like 56 million. Um, I should have written it down. I should have written down the actual math, but I didn't. Um, but if you subtract, uh, four people getting around 7.5 million, from the total amount of the 70 billion, so the, sorry, keep it with the conversions. Um, if you subtract their 7.5-ish million from times four, from the, um, 56 million or whatever, it comes out to the amount that Inju got, the 23 million. Oh, okay. So they were working just from that 70 billion. So I, how I, I thought we couldn't calculate it because I thought Hyorin had just a dozen bank books with like money from savings accounts that her parents had started for her across oh. like five different countries so i thought That's it was like fair. you don't know what the pool looks like maybe people are getting big pieces of pie but um Hyorin's still sitting on uh, multiple generational fortunes well, that adds an interesting aspect then, because the math does work out that the four people got 7.5. And so that's kind of a bummer, because it means that Do-il split his share four ways. So we added Hyorin, which was not in the equation when he agreed to it. And Hyorin and Inhe got shares when they also would have had a bunch of other money that they have access to. Because I think, I mean... I think you're right. It, that just makes it insane that if we take just the 70 billion, or yeah, 70 billion won, that that got split between the five people in some way that makes sense that like the, the four way split between the four people who got even shares, it totally cuts into both. I mean, Inkyung doesn't give a shit, but Do-il does give a shit about money. And so it's kind of a bummer for him that he had to share. Which I do think they checked Hyorin's bank books at one point, and now thinking about it, maybe they were shocked to find that people had been clearing out their funds, clearing mm. out Hyorin's accounts. 
that feel that feels like a memory that was just recently recovered while you were talking. So you might be right. They might be working purely off of that seventy billion that the whole show was about and had to just split that evenly. Yeah, so she had the account, but she didn't have access to the account. And then her mom was probably trying to get her desperate enough to come home and was clearing out her accounts. Yeah. And so they only had that money, that last, that last tiny, tiny bit of money, that last tiny $60 million to split between them. Okay. I'm glad you did the math. Because if the remainder was in Jew's portion, then it makes sense that that's probably the pool they were working out of. Anyways, my computer's going to die, so Yeah, let's wrap it. Let's wrap it. (laughs) Do we have anything else that we even need to talk about in the show uh, that can't be, that isn't bonus material for next week? I don't know. I don't think so. I didn't take notes, though. I did bad. I just, I knew it was the finale, so I figured we'd go through character by character. So yeah, I can't think like of we anything. Always do. Yeah. <laughs> Bit of a mess. Sorry. Um, yeah, I think we I think we've covered everything. If anything comes up, we can always add it into our bonus content in the bonus episode. Uh if we forgot to discuss anything, uh you can send us an email at playonkpodcast at gmail.com. You can always leave comments directly on our episodes or sign up for our newsletter, which is coming back soon. Or you can find links to our affiliates, NordVPN, which lets you access K-dramas outside of your region, or Skillshare, which lets you level up your skills. I was going to see if there's Korean classes on there. I thought that'd be fun. Or Blueberry Podcast Hosting, if you want to start your own little K-drama podcast, those are all available on playonk.com. Yeah, uh, we also are on multiple streaming sites, uh, wherever you listen to us. Uh, if you drop a rate, a review, or a subscribe, or a follow, or whatever it looks like for you, it really helps the podcast out. It helps other K-Drama podcast listeners find us. Yeah, you can find us on Patreon, patreon.com slash playonk, and that's just a great way to support the show, and we're adding in benefits starting with the new year, so get on there before January to to get those those January benefits. Yeah, and I think, is am I missing something? Oh, social media. We're on oh, social yeah. media, technically. Technically, we have accounts. Um Play on K or Play on K podcast or Play on K underscore Emily. Just like look on your favorite apps for Play on K and you'll find us. Yeah, I think that is everything. And so uh, please join us next week for the bonus episode where we talk about all things bonus of Little Women. Yeah. K bye. K bye. Bye bye.